1: Saturday in the cup final, history is about to repeat itself. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. History is going to repeat itself. As they famously once sang, it's all just a little bit of history repeating, except we don't know which history. Is it going to be 2017? Or is it going to be 2019? I am going to root. For the 2017 variety, we already dispatched City in the semifinal. Now we have Chelsea in the final. We owe them for last summer's Baku massacre, the massacre of Baku, as it's known. Uh, we owe Olivier Giroud. God knows I owe Olivier Giroud something. Who knows what it is? I owe him. We owe those pricks. And much like Petr Cech, uh, uh, had the chance to play and, and show up his former club. In Baku now, David Luiz has the chance to do the very same, hopefully with different outcome. This is the Cup Final preview, and we are thrilled to have you here for it. We will have uh, one additional podcast tomorrow for patrons, an instant reaction pod after the Cup Final for patrons, then the Cup Final... Uh, Full podcast on Monday, and then next week we will have some squad building transfer stuff, and I am uh, building a roster of talent to impress and delight for those podcasts. Uh, Not that our normal roster of talent doesn't impress and delight. I will tell you that we are short uh, some talent today because uh, Tim, you may know him on Twitter, at Stoberto, is making a new human today he is actually doing nothing his wife is making a new human and we wish him and his new human and his wife all the best what a wonderful optimistic thing to do in 2020 of all times uh but we certainly hope that it's a harbinger of good things at the weekend and uh i think it would be kind of hilarious if tim of all people missed the cup final gonna have to root for a short labor for a lot of reasons to be fair pause on twitter pause my pencil pause Woo-hoo. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. We did yesterday on Patreon, we did a What We Got Wrong podcast where we revisited predictions uh, of the season and what we got wrong. Clive, I noticed you were not on it. I can only presume you got nothing
2: wrong. Absolutely. There's no point in me turning up, really, was there? You, mm-hmm. you know the drill. I, I don't get anything wrong, do I? I mean, nope. if I do. <laughs> I'm
1: not going to own up to it. Look, the, 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 now to be fair, we did a section on what we got right, but for you, that would just be called all the podcasts our back our back catalog. So there's really no reason wouldn't have had time to record all that. So enough I kid I joke. I know you hate lineup questions Clive, but I'm going to start with you with one anyway just cuz I want to get the podcast off on the wrong foot. It's the cup final. Who you got? Who's starting? Who's the army you're putting on the pitch? Who are the warriors who are going to bring home the cup and bring home that oh so delightful Europa League football we've all been craving?
2: Oh Yeah, we had a little chat about this previously. I think you said, why not just go with the semi-final team? And Mm -hmm. there's there's lots of people that could say that works, obviously bringing in a holding for Mustafi. (laughs) That works. You could, you know, Hector's back in training now, so, you know, it looks as though with his big game experience that he will start on the right-hand side. I probably expect him to. It's a final. You don't mess about in the final. It's just whether who starts on the left. Is it Maitland-Niles or is it Saka? So, um, and that's presumed we're going to go with a back three. with Tini as the sort of hybrid left centre half, stroke left back, depending on when we got the ball or not. And so the rest of the middle two and the front three, I don't think there's no issues there. We're not going to do anything like put Eddie in or anything like that. They sort of pick themselves. So, I think we're all presuming we're going to go with that shape. And given what Chelsea have done recently, playing a similar shape, I think it's be um, sort of sensible they're going to match us up, you know, with their with their um, back three with a. Aspilicueta, Zuma and so they are going to match us up there and they're going to have probably a in centre-forward which I think would suit holding so yeah I it's going to be a, a 3-5-2 game, a 3-4-3 game, a 3-4-2-1 game be all of those things but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how tactically we move within the game mm. at the various stages, I think that's going to be the key I mean, that's going to be the key of Arteta's Arsenal, actually, how we solve in-game problems and how flexible our players are to move around in different formations, depending where we are on the pitch, what we're trying to achieve, what side we're looking to overload on. I think that is the interesting thing about his tactics. I'm you know, very excited to see what he's doing with certain players. And I think um, I see that continue at the weekend, which makes us very hard to read for an opposing manager.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I guess a question then, Paul, is... How much of our lineup should just be what it's going to be, what it was in the semifinal, and uh, you know maybe just stick with what worked, versus how much of it should be predicated on what we expect Chelsea to do in stopping them? Because, you know, I mean, Lampard seems to have a soft spot for Mason Mount. He's uh, he, he been reluctant to play Pulisic, although Pulisic has sort of been one of the players of Project Restart, and I think he's gotten to the point now where it's it's hard for Lampard not to pick him. To what extent should our lineup be picked with an eye towards nullification in the sense of like, if we think the danger is Pulisic on their left, our right, you know, maybe a Maitland-Niles on that side to help shut him down. Do you, do you think Arteta will set us out with an eye towards nullifying their threat? Or do you think he'll be more inclined to just go with what he feels is his strongest setup?
3: I think he would definitely look at options for nullification um, if if there were some obvious choices there, but you know, Mount isn't Mares in terms of what he does uh, out on the right-hand side. I see him more as a guy who's going to drop into midfield rather than somebody who's going to turn into his on his left and go straight out the box. I mean, obviously he is a player who, who creates options, but I, I see his major threat as as dropping in to that more of the 10 spot, to some degree, or the the advanced midfielder and making giving them the overload there. So I don't think Maitland Niles necessarily solves that problem. You don't necessarily want him dropping into midfield with him and and opening up that wing. Um, so I think Saka is the guy because he's he's going to give James trouble and push him back, uh, assuming James is on that wing. Um, and you know, with between. Tierney and Saka, that's the wing we need to create on because we don't have a tent. We've been through that before. It it mm. probably won't be the right-hand side we create on, so we better have options to create here. We can't sit back for the whole game, so we've got to be able to get up and push them back um, and relieve pressure ourselves through attacking. But, yeah, M- Mount could be an interesting one in that midfield, and from our side, we're going to have to... Uh, um, Get our overloads too, and that's a key role for Lacazette. Hopefully he has a good game dropping into midfield, marking out Jorginho or whoever, but uh, midfield's going to be a key battle here.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. I, I sort of have recollections of our two games against them in the league being disappointing outcomes, but where we played relatively well. I felt we should have won the home game. The away game, I believe, was the one where we went down to 10 men, but still... Uh, the Martinelli wonder goal led to it being a 2-2 draw sort of unexpectedly. A little unfair as a result of that to look at XG because the total XG sum for us against Chelsea this season, 1.4, and against us, 4.6. So not ideal, but again, a lot of that coming in the the away game where we had um, 40% possession, we were outshot massively, and we were down to 10 men. Um, Hector Bellerin captained us against Chelsea away. Uh, I think that there was something to that, and it wouldn't surprise me if he starts and something like that happens again. He has it in for them, especially Marcus Al- Alonso, and I-, I sort of wonder if Alonso will start, and if he does, I like our chances to really attack up that wing. Clive, I...
3: We know if he's mm-hmm. fully fit, by the way.
1: Well, he's back in training.
3: We don't, know, training. We don't know if he's That's fully fit. We know. I-,
1: I suspect he is. I think he was just sort of rested and taken out of the firing line. Not to say that he wasn't suffering from something, but I think he's fit, and I think he'll start. Um, I mean... Clive, let's talk about some of the battles that are are really going to matter here. And I mean, yeah. I guess the the one that for me this makes this really interesting. Right? Let's let's talk midfield first. We can't really particularly contest the midfield with them. I don't think we can contest the midfield with many people. We ha- we haven't really tried that though, and largely bypassed a lot of quick progression out to the wings. How important is that midfield battle? I mean, with Kovacic and Jorginho in there, they have a, a high-volume passing duo that, that can really maintain possession. We don't really necessarily have that. But at the same time, like I do think that maybe Ceballos can have a little bit of joy wriggling free in midfield and, and starting us in transition. How, how do you see the midfield battle playing out?
2: Right, so... Chelsea have got a similar dilemma to us. They've got Kante is just back fit. Mm-hmm. If Kante is fit and they go to play him, similar to what they did in Baku, and they dragged him off his deathbed and he came out there and did really well. Um, if Kante comes in, they may go to the midfield three. They're very similar to what we, you know. I know we touched on the midfield three in the last game, but, you know, I think we're going to probably go with a back three and not a 4 3 3. But Chelsea are going for the same dilemma. They're not sure if they trust Jorginho and Kovacic. So let's not pretend that they're better than our two. I don't think it's much between them, actually. I think Ceballos um, and Siakla versus Jorginho and Kovacic. Chelsea fans are thinking, can we defend? Right, And we're thinking, can, can we keep the ball? Can we progress yeah. the ball? Yeah. But similar dilemmas, right? So James is a young lad out on the right. So they could easily go to a back four and bring Kante in, take James out and have more experience on the pitch. And this is why I was pretty heavy on Saka being selected in the in the last part. And other people are thinking Mainland Niles, but I think Saka. And the reason why, if Saka plays, we can do what we like. We can play in the back five. If he plays high up, or he just goes straight to a back four. And Saka becomes the third midfielder. So it, without making one single substitution change, I keep talking about this thing—the hybrid player. I mean that to have that in your locker with someone like Tierney and Saka to be able to flip formations in the blink of a switch knowing they've done both formations, knowing that Saka's played that left eight role, you get our own little flying V going in the middle of midfield, and that could really work nicely. I think for us it's important that we stop the progression and stop the comfort of Jorginho and and Kovacic. So I think it's really important we get behind them and play through them into Pepe in particular, so he gets it turned around. I think you need to break that that twosome up. Don't let them feel comfortable. Don't let them start popping. Don't let them start getting to a Brazilian-type rhythm in there. Get hold of them. Play through them. Make them turn around. Make them run backwards. Their defence is actually worse than ours. I heard James say today they've conceded more goals than us, which, which they have. But what's killing us is our ability to score, create, and turn those draws into wins. I don't think there's a lot between these teams. I really don't. I do think when well, I be touching it, the first goal is absolutely massive. Only in the story of this game is is everything. And right? mm. so the the focus of the press has been very much on Giroud, for example. And if you know anything about Olivier Giroud, he's somebody that's always gone through his life trying to turn people's opinions around. He's getting a lot of praise right now. He's getting a lot of praise. Tammy Tammy Abraham ran out of puff. Giroud's come in and really got Chelsea into the top four. Now, Drew with praise. I'm not sure that's so good. I've got a funny feeling we can handle him, and I much prefer to face him, I know it's his really tempting fate, than a very quick Tammy Abraham.
1: I, I totally agree. But, I think it suits what, what our defenders want to do better. I, I don't think we're as vulnerable to the physical uh, battles as we are to someone who's got better pace and tricky running and things like that. I agree with you.
2: Absolutely. So, the thing about the Chelsea game, and I want to get this one out there because I think it's really important for everyone to sort of note. Whatever we do, we're going to have to beat them twice. Because the team they put out, at the end of the game, they're going to bring on Abraham, Loftus Cheeks, Hudson Adoy, uh, Willian, you know, what, you know, pull a six from Mount. We're presuming they start, but one of them may not start, William may start.
1: I think William will so, start, yeah. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, so basically, I think we literally have to beat them twice. The first time I sort of saw that was in the old days when United had, had York and Cole. And then once you beat York and Cole, they just dragged Schoelski and Serringham off the bench. You had to beat them twice. And I think we have to do that with Chelsea. We have to be prepared for that. We be prepared to dig in late and have to be prepared to manage their speed and power. So if we, if we control the story of the game, we don't, we have an option. They're going to have to pile on different attackers and go like for like. If we go behind, they can add speed by like Abraham and they can get us on the counter-attack. So, I know I keep saying it and it's really boring, but first goal is absolutely massive in this game. It's going to be hard enough to beat Chelsea once let alone trying to beat them twice, given the strength they'll have on the bench, which we just don't have. Mm. You know, not the same level, same quality. That's, that's understandable.
1: Uh, Paul, you, you have a slightly different view on, on the Giroud dilemma.
3: Well, I think uh, I've set it up right that uh, Giroud, he kind of needs to be the underdog proving the point. The problem is I think he will be in this FA Cup final. He'll have that chip on his shoulder to prove that uh, the Arsenal uh, hierarchy who wanted him gone, that perceived they that done him in, um, he'll get a, a chance, another chance, to show them what they're missing. So I think he'll have – his motivation will be there, his pissed-offness, his the pain he can channel. And I think the other thing is uh, he, he gives them an option we won't have, which is they can play out from the back. Uh, they've got a little bit more in midfield where they're playing through there. And then finally, they can just – Play the direct long ball, which which makes the other two options gives them a little more space, in the other two options because they can mix it up. To Giroud, who can flick it on for for Pulisic or whoever's, or Willian Willian and on on the right, if that's who's there, probably Mount. But Pulisic for sure. As soon as we start to push up and play a higher line, which uh, I think Luis will will want against Giroud because the knock against Giroud, of course will be he's not super quick. Um, he's actually pretty fast on the counter. It's just the gears one through four that aren't there. But he can he can run at speed. But I think Willy Willian, or sorry uh, Luis and and our back line will want to push up, have a bit of a high line and the, the flicked ball from Giroud is going to hurt us in this game. So I don't I'm not pleased. We're facing, uh, in fact, Giroud. I prefer if it were Tammy Abraham.
2: Really? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a fair. That's a fair call, actually. It, it, yep. I just think I'm thinking about Rob Holding more than anything. Um, I yeah. think Giroud. I think Drew is the better player. Let's, let's be honest. It's a shame we lost him due to. But the problem is he can
3: peel the other way to Tierney's side. I mean, it's not his better foot, but from a heading standpoint, he's going to win that all day and open up the angle for Pulisic. So.
2: It depends on a few things. So let's just go over the Giroux story again, right? So let's be honest, we messed up. We should have bought a Bamiyang initially in the summer, but we didn't want to pay the extra five to ten million. We bought Lacazette instead. And then we got caught in a in a in a three way thing with Giroux, Batsway, and uh, and a Bamiang. And to get a Bamiang out of um, Dortmund we had to, that's why he had to go the other way and Arsenal were forced to sell Drew. They did not want to sell him. So it's our mismanagement. And if you think about what Drew has done, he had that vengeful side in, in Baku and played out of his skin and his mate Koscielny all over the box. He's had that vengeful moment and that cost us £40-50 And now we're trying to scrabble over £20-30 in in Europa League. And if he will do the same at the weekend, we have to ask ourselves a lot of questions about losing that player. Now we really would, and and think about the cost, potentially the cost sporting wise, potentially from missing out on two European competitions. So I think you know we got to turn up and make sure that we don't let that happen. You know and, and get mm. all over him. You, That'll be part of my team talk. That's and
3: sure. we could you, have played Giroud and Aubameyang together. Mm. Had we had we really got it worked out in terms of our. Are recruiting.
1: You guys still haven't made me regret it at all, just to let you know. Um, So, look, I.
3: We'll check in with you after the FA Cup final.
1: Yeah, no, I'm still fine. Uh, So, the thing I wonder, you know, look, the the thing that Giroud is absolutely exceptional at, obviously, is holding the ball up, you know, putting his back into a player, receiving the ball along, holding it up, sending someone in behind him. What worries me, you know, we're going to play the back three. I think we know that who is going to put a body on Giroud when they kick it long? Who's going to be the one that he's sticking his butt into uh, to receive the ball? Because I I worry about our defenders getting pulled out of position, coming up the pitch to grapple with him, lose that grapple because none of them are going to win it, and then leaving space for someone like Pulisic or Willian to to run into. So, you know, it would be interesting if we gave somebody else that job. I, I don't know who it would be, mind you. Um you know, maybe you have someone like Lacazette drop all the way back in. You know, he's dropped back into the midfield in the past. I, I do think they've played a back three recently a lot, especially, you know, because they haven't had Conte. And, and Clive, I sort of think that they might go with the back three again rather than trying to bring Conte in, you know, having not played. And they, they've had a lot of success in the back three of late. But I do think that's even easier for us to attack. I think we really yep. like to attack a back three. Was it Lester who played a back three and then had a change? Who was it where we were giving them fits and they had to change it. Um, yeah, like, Leicester,
2: that we, we had we had them toast until the sending off didn't we? We had them on toast. Y- yeah, but, um,
1: and and they were really struggling. And, and I felt they had to change it. They didn't. But like I think the back three is easier to attack from wide positions. Easier to attack, you know, with those with those wide players. Now, interestingly, we'll we'll have the same challenge with them, but. To me, that this sets up like more traditional counterattacking game for us, which I really like. You know, you posed the question on the last pod, I think it was you, Clive, I could be wrong, saying, should we play against them like City? Should we allow them to be dominant? I mean, we had forty two percent possession at home against them, forty percent away, granted down to ten men. They are a sixty percent possession team against most teams anyway. I think they will dominate the ball, and I think the thing that they've struggled with a bit this season is actually unlocking deep defenses. Now, I think Pulisic, as he plays more, has created an easier opportunity for them to do that because he's a better player, you know, one, one-on-one against a low block than, than what they've had previously. But I do think that if they have a lion's share possession and we sit a little deeper and we play that Manchester City style, I think we can really expose them defensively, playing out from the back, you know, sh- quick, long strikes up up the wings. I mean... Clive, do you think that that is the the sort of path to victory i don't think there's any need for us to try to go toe-to-toe with them in this game in terms of trying to have the ball and push them back
2: yeah i mean the game that i that scares me the teams like villa really when, we, when they sit back and we're forced to to do something and if we're not in the mood we, we we struggle right so we don't do things like buy free kicks we don't run through lines we pass we pass in patterns and what really gets us going is when we're passing in broken play. So mini transitions is what we really like, and for that to happen, we need the team to play us. And Chelsea will play us. They will, they've got the personality. They will play us. And then it's about our ability to execute versus their ability to execute. And I think this is where we have got two floor defenses, and how we manage the the first phase. So the first phase we need to make sure Shaka shields and screens Giroud in front, and you know try to at least discourage that ball into feet. Once into feet. One touch really sharp runners, whether it be William, whether it be Mount, whether it be Pulisic, it doesn't matter which one, which ones they choose. It'd be similar game plan, similar destruction, similar shooting from the edge of the area, trying to do one twos and getting getting behind us. So it's key that we shield that first phase ball. But if we don't win the first phase, it's not a problem. Just win the next one. We know Drew's gonna lay it off in one touch. We know once he turns around, it's over for him. So really, it's about predicting where his layoffs are gonna go, then taking it, reading it and then springing. Now, once we spring, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. Where we, where we do at wing-back, we're in good shape. You know, wherever we do and our wide falls, if you know who they're going to be, they're good players, right? So, Bellerin's well-rested, and, you know, to take your point, Elliot, he, he does play well against Chelsea, and, and we'll need to. And, and I think he has a way of forcing Alonso back. I don't think that Alonso is very bright. They both want to be in the, in the same areas, if you know what I mean, but in the other person's half, if it becomes a game of cat and mouse. Who's going to put each other back? Mm. That's going to be interesting. So I, I keep coming back to it. The wild card for me is, is Saka. It really is. I think he's a special player that needs a special game. That's got a special game in him, and they don't know much about him. He's different.
1: Who's he playing for? I, is does Tierney take the co, the Kolasinac role of the left sided centre back, and Saka as a left wing back? I don't. Yes, I, don't I, I think
2: Saka. I think Saka, the left wing back. But if we want to go to a back four, we can do so really, really easily, and move Saka into midfield and connect with a Bangayang. It's that hybrid nature of that player completely changes our game plan. Mm. It makes us impossible to read. It really does. It, Saka can play inside, and suddenly we're overloading three for two inside on Kovacic and the, and um, sorry, Jorginho. And if, you know, so that player there, Elliot, trust me, I keep coming back to it. I might maybe massively wrong. I Maitland Niles plays and we become more cautious and we just want to block the game in the first half, make sure we don't go down, and then bring Sacco in the second half. Depends what the coach wants to do. I think it's to,
1: Maitland-Niles they, all day, Clive. I really do. May, I, I it think it's well a midfield be. three, a Maitland-Niles, Ceballos, and Shaq. I think it's a flat three in front of a back four,
2: but pressed well, we've never really far we've back. Did, we've, never, we've never done that. We, we did, did it against City. Them- See, this
1: is what I don't, can I, can I just say one thing that I've never really understood yeah. about the way the City game is analyzed the yeah. way I saw us defend against City was a 4-3 defensive lineup. And what I mean by that is it was a back four, right? Mustafi, Luis, um, Bellerin, and, and Tierney, right? They all start. And then it was Maitland-Niles, Shaka, and Ceballos sort of flat in front of that three with Maitland-Niles going right up to Mares to take it off his his boot, right, to, to really shut him down. Ceballos shutting down on the other side and, and Shaka just sort of sitting in front of the two. I didn't see it as a back three stroke back five. Now, you could say it, it converted into a back five in a way, you know, with, with Maitland Niles dropping in there. But to me, it was more like just a, a really smushed together 4 3. I mean, they push you back a lot, so it's hard to see it. But yeah. I, again, I see it being Tierney, Holding, Louise, and Bellerin with Maitland Niles, uh, Shaka, and Ceballos. Ceballos so tasked with, or Maitland-Isles, maybe they switch positions. Um, in that case, Maitland-Isles on the right tasked with helping shutting down Pulisic one-on-one and Ceballos on the left helping to shut down Mount or Willian in the one-on-ones. And is sitting right in between the the two center backs to help sort of it and Buttress, uh, you know, and push around Giroud a little bit. The good thing is I don't think Kovacic or Jorginho are particularly... Um, attack-oriented in terms of getting into the final third and really influencing the game there. Kovacic can do it a bit. Jorginho doesn't really do it at all. So I think that's your system. And then when you break out of your hole, if it's the way I, I sort of laid it out, Tierney goes up and Maitland-Niles drops into the left to fill in where he goes up. And, and that's how we raid up the left-hand side. Or if you do it on the flip side, then it's Bellerin and, and Pepe raiding. And I, I do hope that we have a little bit of a right-sided bias to the attack in this game because if it's Alonso, if it is Alonso, and if Rudiger's over there at the left side and center back, if they play a three, that wing looks really vulnerable to me. With Alonso not particularly defensively oriented, and Rudiger, good luck defending Pepe in space, right? So, I, I mean, sorry, I totally cut you off there, but I, I guess maybe you can help me understand how we set up against City, because I I didn't see it as as the sort of the back three the way we'd been doing it, you know, with two oh. clear outside center backs and, and one in the middle. It, it had more of a 4-3 structure, I thought.
2: So it's, it's more it's more game state, isn't it, really? And it's more what we do when we under under pressure. So when we was under pressure, we went to a five. Maitland-Niles tucked back, Tierney came inside. When we were on top, Tierney went outside, Maitland-Niles pushed up, right? So he yeah. pushed mm-hmm. higher that's up. How so I that's, that's, that's that's what we did. So this is what I talk about hybrid. In is a hybrid. He's a left center half in the three. And he, when we're in charge, he goes to a left back, right? And then Maitland-Niles says, I'm out of here. I'm pushing on. We're mm-hmm. in charge. I'm going to support the attack. Whether that player... Yeah, the, sorry, ten- I
1: just stop. I, I said something wrong. I meant Maitland-Niles pushed up and Tierney tucked in is what I meant, obviously. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I had yeah. it backwards. I apologize.
2: Yeah. We, we're saying the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's all in game state. So just get the system out of your mind. And think about the ability to change. and put. Remember my temperature gauge scenario? Mm-hmm. Maitland-Niles was a temperature gauge. He was going up and down the wing depending on when we're in charge and when we're not. Is Saka better than that than Maitland-Niles on a day where we might have a little bit more of the ball? Potentially could be. It doesn't worry me. though. I, I love both players, right? It doesn't bother me which one we choose long as we own the story of the game. Right? So there was about three or four occasions, maybe two or three occasions So it would probably be a bit harsh where I was wishing Maitland-Niles had a left foot because he got in on that left-hand side. We didn't punish him on the day because we was, we were up we didn't really give him much stick, but we all thought, wow, we could have got another goal in there if he had a better left foot. Mm. Imagine if that Saka with that left foot. We're gonna find the cross, aren't we? But We've he can't,
1: but cross. Saka, I don't think, can do what Maitland Niles did to Mares. Now you might say there is no Mares on Chelsea that Mount or William don't scare you the way Mares does, and so Saka is sufficient. Plus, he adds that extra attacking that, that Maitland-Niles does. Mean Is that how you see it? What if you flip it around? What if you put Maitland-Niles on the right side to do the job on Pulisic and then raid forward on his stronger foot and just flip Ceballos around to the other side?
2: But then you're really asking um, Bellerin on occasion to be a, a right-sided center half, right? So, to play that hybrid role. I've only seen Tierney do it in, you know, so well. Kalashnik does it, but not as well as Tierney. Not as good close to his box or his centre halves. Not so good in his box full stop. He's so better outside of his
3: box. Isn't Elliot suggesting dropping Bellerin and playing Maitland Niles?
1: I'm I'm not. I'm just saying you okay. take the you take the city setup and you switch Ceballos and and Maitland Niles around. Oh. And okay. you let Ceballos oh. sort of because and, and here, guys, this is why I think formations are weird, right? I get it, right? I see how you could see the city performance as a back 3, right? Where the 3 is Tierney mm-hmm. Louise, and Mustafi. the wing backs are Maitland Niles and Bellerin. but like watching it it didn't feel that way to me. Watching it it felt like Maitland Niles was more sort of man marking Maras and what you know sort of following Maras around and and Ceballos was was sort of guarding those the channel on the right side and that but, the full- But
3: it's not just like game early. I mean game after game we we swirl from that bottom left-hand corner it doesn't matter if it's jack yep. up there mm-hmm. or whoever uh people will pop into that third position there and then we kind of swivel up that side and as the as the wing back be- pushes up and becomes the winger the third center back becomes the the full back wing back and it, it's just a and you then see instead of having three center backs you have two because why would you need to keep two back when you're in possession and everybody's upfield so you go to a kind of a what's that a two three five kind of structure yeah that's fair and it doesn't really matter where you pull the player from but in or out of possession or when the ball's in our half we're going to have three at the back two wing backs and that's going to rotate up the left side which is normally how we attack. and suddenly Mm -hmm. you got two center backs and and that personnel, whoever whoever makes it up, just ends up spreading up the wing, uh, but it all kind of holds together. They they got their spaces, they got their gaps, and as Clive said, I think it's more a function of game state than than the fact that sure. it's truly a four at the back. That's, that's uh, look, I'm probably I, in the wrong I, here. I don't think City is the only game where you see that dynamic going on. Is my point?
1: Yeah, yeah I guess the reason it, it confused me a little is there were times that I felt Maitland-Niles was actually defending more in field of tyranny during that that. Manchester City game and that that
3: but that's where Mares took him. right
1: yeah all right that's fair so he well I saw that as more of a free role so I guess the question then look without me just continuing to bury myself in wrong analysis of the city <laughs> game um let, let me ask you this Paul I'll stay with you for a second like do you do you think the right move here though is is Maitland-Niles whether you want to call that a wing back role you know or a, a sort of free defensive you know, defensive free agent kind of role out, off the ball to, to target their danger man. Do you think Maitland-Niles is the right pick here, and that he should maybe go back to his stronger right-hand side, where Pulisic might be, stay where he was in the City game, or do you like Clive's idea of Saka coming in for him and just giving us more threat up the wing?
3: Yeah, no, I think Saka giving us more threat. I think Mount is going to pull quite a bit into midfield if you've got Maitland-Niles, uh, but but not to the same effect. Marez does where he's attacking the box. So I don't. I don't think you play a right-sided wing back or, or whatever against Mount to stop him going into midfield. I mean that just doesn't work. Mm. He, he'll probably be moving in without the ball rather than with the ball. Um, so he, you know you could have just Maitland Niles twiddling his thumb out on the wing because Mount keeps saying, all right, I'll leave him there, confuse them, and become a third midfielder and adva- advanced attacking midfielder. And so Maitland-Niles spends a lot of time not adding value, whereas Saka will always provide that, that threat on the left-hand side that's going to worry Mount and James and pull them back and create space there if they don't go with him. So uh, with him, and Tier- uh, it collides onto something with Tierney and Saka. They're both so flexible that if they move up, they can't be ignored. So Tierney's going to have to be covered, and is going to have to be covered. If Maitland-Niles runs up the wing, he doesn't provide that threat that they're going to say, oh my God, I didn't go with him, he's going to cross, or he's going to cut infield from the left. So uh, I think he'll do a lot, Sack and Tierney will do a lot more to keep Mount and James busy and pushed back than Maitland-Niles can. I, I, if I was going to play Maitland-Niles anywhere, I'd play him on the right against Bellerin, but then Pulisic doesn't have a defined path he attacks on. So again, uh, having Maitland-Niles on the right, being a left-footed uh, fullback, I, I don't see it. It really gives us anything new there. I like Maitland-Niles, especially this version of Maitland-Niles at the moment where he's focused and on it, et cetera. But I don't think this is the game for him.
0: Mm.
1: Uh all right well I I'm torn. I mean I I think that Chelsea and City are very different in terms of the amount of threat they pose. Obviously City don't have that those players in midfield the the Silva De Bruyne type characters. They have high volume passers in in Kovacic and, and Jorginho, but they're not going to get into the positions that uh you know that Silva and De Bruyne do on the edge of the box and really pull you apart. So uh, you know, that's. I think that changes the calculus, and I I do think that getting it there. Look, City don't give you a lot of chances. They're a really hard team to figure out. You do want to counterattack them. They leave you some space. We did it intelligently. Chelsea, Chelsea don't restrict you to as few chances as City do. And obviously, you look at the goals they've conceded this season. They're very vulnerable. So, I definitely think that you can reap the rewards by being a little braver in this game in terms of picking a lineup that can hurt them. I mean Clive do you, do you agree with me though that, that that the right side that Pepe going against that sort of Alonso Rudiger flank with with help from Bellerin, if that's what it winds up being is is something that we should try to really target as as an area we can exploit where do you, where do you think our our best opportunity to hurt them will be
2: Yeah I think Pepe's key I think Rudiger is basically a hand grenade walk around the pitch wanting to do something stupid I would always give Pepe as many touches as possible so he doesn't disconnect from the game the way we use Pepe, we tend to isolate him. Is so I almost call him our Kyrie Irving. We leave him one on one. Can we get him one on one? And we we almost don't support him. So whenever you see passing maps, there's nothing coming to Pepe. He gets the odd little pass. There's no one around him. I'm I'm not sure if he needs anyone around him. But what he does need is early service at the right pace. He can use the first touch, use the pace of the ball to get away from his man. And he's, a, he's an excellent passer. The link to Mbappé is now well known. So if I'm Chelsea, I'm thinking I have to stop that. Rüdiger's a lefty. they're gonna He's coming on his right foot. You're not going to stop him. He's going to get delivery there. Can he get to a point into zone 14 where he can get some banging shots? That's what I'd like to see him develop. When he starts doing that, then we've got the player we paid for. right? So he's now taking the passing options, which is great. I want to see him be more aggressive. He tends to be more aggressive when he's more space, when he can see space. Then he really attacks it. When there's crowd scenes, he manipulates the ball, holds the ball, and he looks for a pass. I like seeing Wall pass off Lacazette and get some shots off. I think that would really start to shake Chelsea. We can get behind their, their midfield too. I totally believe that. And I agree with you. That right-hand side, he's really saying, come, come in here. But we, I don't think we should overload like we do the left. You know, we, we're, we're naturally going to do the left-hand side. That's where our better players are. We go to the right. We zigzag to the right. Then we switch back to the left where our finisher is. Right, who then sees the free space, he can see the game, and he says, OK, I'm going to arrive here, you can't stop me. And that's our that's our skill. That's what I think that we've got at the moment. So I think Pepe needs a big game. Well, I say that every game, because I think, I think he's really, really a good player. But he needs to have a good final. A good final. I think it'd be really good for him to end the season in a good way. We all want him to do well. We can all see he's a player there. But there comes a point in time when if you deliver in a game like this, I mean, I Ramsey in two cup files and he's a hero, right? Delivering a cup file. People do not forget you. And this is a chance to really crown off his first season.
1: Mm. Paul, you have any thoughts on that? Uh, where the danger comes from? You agree,
3: you agree with Clive? Uh, from our side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he described it rather well that, that early ball at the, at the right pace. Um, you can just see if you, if you get it to him where he he has his options ahead of him, he, he'll start twisting the around. If you give it to him too late, where they're already set and they're in their box, he's there's only so much he can do. He can bang in that that curler of a cross. Um, the threat the other way, you know, set pieces is going to be a big deal when you have. Sorry to be on my my Giroux, uh <laughs> team here, but you know they, they've got two dimensions we don't have. They can. They can handle the long ball, to flick on, uh, out when, they're, when they want to mix it up and set off Pulisic. I think that, that is something we don't have at the moment, um, <clears throat> unless we're sitting right back and we're counterattacking and we, we hit them on the break a couple of times. But I don't, I don't think there's going to be that imbalance. So they have that, that long ball option, and then they're going to have set pieces, corners, etc., and we don't really have that aerial threat. Um, so the threat going the other way, uh, I, I've, I think Giroud could have a really big day here.
1: I just don't see it because I think he's the worst player to ever play football. I don't know if I've expressed that opinion. Um, that sure. wrong opinion, I should say, look, I know I'm tempting fate, but if I've got to go sure. down in flames with some striker being the guy who's going to torment me, I'm okay with it being Olivier Giroud. Okay. Uh, 39 year old Olivier Giroud, wherever the hell he is. I know he's sexy and tall and has nice hair and all that, but come on, Paul. I mean, you got to admit, like, we're hand wringing about Olivier fucking Giroud here. Like, it's not. It's not.
2: I always
3: thought he was much better than you did. Yeah, but he's not Kudakuero.
1: He's not, you know, he's not Suarez. He's not Messi. He's not Ronaldo. I mean, this isn't, you know, we're not going up against. I, you know, I wouldn't want to play Rashford. I wouldn't want to go up against. you know, Salah and Mane and, you know, I, I mean... But,
3: but part of our issue with Giro and part of, I think, your issue with Giro is we didn't use him particularly well, in, especially in his later years. I mean, he was a very good player for the first few he's years. He's a
1: perfectly fine player. I agree. I just don't think he's an elite striker. And I realize I'm super tempting fate, but, like, let's get into it. I mean, the other thing we know from XG, the one thing XG has taught us is, like, headed chances are low XG. So if I've got to play a guy who's great with his feet, can beat a man, can run in space and finish, or i got to play a guy who's a big body who can head the ball well, I'm going to take the latter because I know, statistically speaking, the latter is a lower percentage chance. Now, I know that's okay, rich okay,
3: yeah, go ahead. You got, it, it's a, there's three up front. There's Pulisic, there's Mount, there's William, and there's Giroud. It's the combination of the three that's, sure. that's either good or bad. I'm and more I scared of his think... runs
1: to the near post, candidly. Paul, Like those scare me more than, than headers because, you know, if you're going to have to face a chance, you want it to be a header, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's not that they that he can only do headers or they can only score through him. It's the combination of the they've been a very good attacking side. And yes. Giro's yep. been on a bit of a tear recently, mm-hmm. and he's getting his goals. And they're going to have set pieces, <clears throat> and we've been vulnerable to them. And corners, uh, free kicks, etc., are a scoring opportunity we kind of don't have at the moment, and they do. Um, it's it, you know, it, it, in a finely balanced match. I, it's not that I don't think we can win this. I, I, I'm optimistic about our chances, but I still think they have a couple of things they can do. We can't that will be important in this game. And those flick ons from the long ball setting off Pulis sick. scare me. If, if we play a higher line and heroes hold up, play all that good stuff. And, you know, Lacazette still, we're still working out. Is he back in form and, and what is he when he's in form? He drops into midfield and helps out, but what else does he do? does, Are we truly using that front three as effectively as Chelsea can use their front three? Uh, I think Giro just makes a whole lot of sense in this game. And he doesn't have to be the greatest player in the world because we're not playing one player. They are using him very effectively to set off the whole team. And he's getting his goals. And he's going to be a threat on set pieces.
1: Yeah, look. He's in great form. There's no denying yeah. that. He's he's started twelve times this season. He's played less than a thousand minutes. He has eight goals. All right, eight goals and twelve starts, eighteen appearances. So, I, you know, I I mean I I can't deny the but form he's it's in. Not, I,
3: it's not a debate that, about whether he's great. That's not what I'm saying. I I'm just saying, saying he's the type the of
1: threat. And this again, I know I'm tempting fate, but he's the type of threat that I feel we have the better chance to handle that doesn't mean we will. We're defensively terrible. We can concede to anybody. Um, well, let me ask you this because I know you have to go here pretty soon. Just real quick, on the on the other side of it, do you think there's any chance Kepa will start or do you assume it'll be Caballero and like how important is their goalkeeper position and do we need to maybe have a strategy to be a little more willing to take some shots?
3: Um, well, we definitely need more shots, especially if Kepa's on the field. We, we don't... I mean, I guess we've been a little bit better recently, getting shots off, um, and this could, be, you know, this could be a great game for Pepe, as we've talked about, if he can start getting his shots off, and Obama Yang, and you know, I don't think Kappa starts. Um, I think this, I, I think they're kind of making their bed and lying in it with Kappa, so they'll be okay pissing him off for the FA Cup final, but. That's just my. I don't. I' not close enough to what the, to the Chelsea pulse. My guess is uh, it won't be him. Um, so so maybe you don't go gangbusters banging in shots from all over the place. But we're shot shy, and I think we'll mm-hmm. still continue to be a little bit shot shy in this game. It'll maybe a little bit more even. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think at the end of the day the goalkeeper. Really is going to be the factor for us. I think it's how effective they are using Giro up front with with Pulisic, and how good they are at overloading the midfield will be the determinants on their side and our side. If we can make that uh, the left side tick, which why I think is so important with Tierney and Saka, get things going there so that we have our own our own jokers, our own switches of play over to Pepe when when they've taken their eye off of his positions there and that's, that's where it comes from it won't be goals from midfield we know that um, our, our front three uh, all have goals in them at the moment so that's good but uh, the the threat the creativity we got to cut, get up that left hand side and whether we have 50% of the possession probably not but we'll have a reasonable share of the possession and we go at them from there
0: mm.
1: well I, I know I have to let you go i got to at least pin you down to a, a prediction score
3: so I think it'll be a draw. So my question is, what happens then? It goes to uh, full-time, 30 minutes, and then penalties. That's how the yeah. final works. Yep. And we lose on penalties. Fuck. There you go. That, I think uh, it's 2-2. I I,
1: I'd rather lose 10-0, honestly. 2-2 <laughs> two, and, two, uh, and we lose on I mean, penalties not, is not, I can't, not sound, a tolerable outcome.
3: Yeah, it might sound pessimistic, but I'm not really. I think it's a pretty even contest. I think they have a little bit of the upper hand and I think there's a really good chance we're tied at full time and who knows in extra time. Okay.
1: Well, uh, I I certainly hope you're wrong, but I appreciate you being here. Enjoy it, Paul. Big day. Uh, Paul's on Twitter. pause in my pants. Thanks, bud. Woohoo! All right. All right, Paul's gone. Um, Clive, let's start to turn towards home here in terms of predictions and existential ramifications, things like that. I mean, first things first, just how are you feeling? I mean, looking at the matchup, looking at all things being equal. I mean, look, they've been much, much better than us all season, but... Uh, against the bigger teams lately, we've sort of had a, an approach that has worked. I think it can work against them. They are vulnerable defensively. Um, you know, we don't create a lot of chances, but, uh, you know, against City, we showed that when we can counterattack, we we can be dangerous. How, how are you feeling sort of overarchingly about the, the direction this game could go?
2: Yeah, I think... For me, I did some things this week, which I never normally do. I actually listened to some Chelsea podcasts because sometimes it's always good to know your enemy, right? Know what what they're thinking, what they're feeling. None of them think that Keb is going to play. That's that's one thing. And their, their issue is how can we get him out? 72 million quid record goalkeeper, is he going to go on loan to build up his price because they've made a boo-boo, but they've got so many young academy players they can recoup that money, with, they'll live, right? And Roman would go behind the sofa and sort that one out, so Kepa's done and Chelsea will buy a new goalkeeper there. Um, they've also got concerns about whether Kante plays or not, so again, they, they feel more comfortable when he plays. There's a feeling that, that they feel that Arsenal, they're not really worried about us in any which way or form, although they are worried about their defence. And this is why I lean towards Saka, because we have to win a game. We have to win a game. We have to, against City, there was a the feeling that we could nick it, but it's really important not to, to be in the game. And so the, the system and how we played was perfect for the day, and we could have scored a couple more. Against Chelsea, I feel we have to try to win the game and not go out there their decision, situation not to lose it. But it is important that we're in the game. Again, I, I just... It's, it's a difficult game to sort of um, to sort of predict. I do think we'll steal it. Paul's prediction is a worrying one because Caballero's key trick is penalty saving. So we don't really want to get to that point because this is what they complained about before. They wanted to bring him on against, in the city against the cup final because he's, he's an expert penalty saving. So we don't want to get to that situation. But I do, and also I think the longer the games go goes on, the better Chelsea will be because of the quality of their substitutions. So it has to be 90 minutes for me. We have to take the lead. I think we're going to be in the right state of frame, of frame of mind, sorry. I felt with Baku, we over-prepared for the game. We tried too hard with the time zone thing. We were there like a week before Chelsea almost. We We had a gap. We went in there with the weight of the world on our shoulders. I don't think we approached it with a level of confidence. We approached it because we balled up the last league games with a level of fear. Chelsea strolled in, already in the Champions League, turned up in the morning, had a burger, popped out the pitch and won the game. Mm, right? So yeah. and I think getting the approach is really important. I think we're going to get the approach for a Wembley Cup final much better. I think the coach is much better on his details. I think the coach has a much greater relationship. I think the players feel felt that once Baku was done, I thought the manager was done. And I think it's important the club recognise that, and they didn't. They should have. Um, You often hear me talk about, it's almost like a sliding doors moment last year. Last year, January, think about this, for example. I know I often go on about Denis Suarez and how he messed up, and I always wanted Christopher Nkunku to come in. But just imagine if he did come in, Christopher Nkunku. We'd have probably qualified for the Champions League. I guess my manager would probably be right now, Unai Emery. Yeah, Perish the thoughts. And, <laughs> and I don't think we'd have made enough progress as a club. And I know we're in a worse position. We have less points, less goals, less shots. But in a strange way, I feel incredibly positive about where we're going. The most important thing for me, and it's almost if like we can't lose on Saturday, and you, I know people are going to criticise me, but in my in my opinion, we can't lose. And the reason why I say that is, if we win, I'll be buzzing we are in the Europa League, the manager's got a trophy in his back pocket and these players win together. It only allows them to buy into the manager's philosophy even more. But the most important thing for me is what we do post-Saturday, not Saturday. What we do as a club post-Saturday is the most important thing because at the end of next season, we cannot be talking about a last game to get into the Europa League. We have to be talking about Champions League football. In my personal opinion, I feel that we have a better chance of Champions League next year if we're not in Europe. But I want us to win this game massively on Saturday, which in some ways means I can't lose, if that makes sense. Because I do think Liverpool made the jump from ninth to fourth when they weren't in Europe. Spurs made the jump to get in Champions League when they weren't in Europe. I personally feel next year's European competitions are going to be terrible. There's going to be no fans. It's going to be difficult, logistical situations to get to these games. It is every year not to be in Europe, given what's happened with COVID, etc. This is the year. <laughs> now, that's not me saying I don't want us to win the game on the weekend, because obviously I do. But if we weren't to win, we could reset. But then you're saying, club, club, we need the money. That's where the club has to step up. The club has to step up and find the extra money to support this major. Lots of people talk about this guy. This guy is being looked at. I promise you. This manager is good. Right, so... We need to do our work, regardless of the results, on Saturday, to make sure this is in our club, not just next year, but many years going forward. And if we do that right, he will be. There is no way we can allow people like Frank Lampard to stroll around like the new next big thing. He's not a patch on our major. No, not a patch. No, no, I
1: agree with that. We <laughs> all know it.
2: Same for Solskjaer. Not a patch. Not a patch on this guy. The most important thing, and, it is, and football's everything to all of us, right? The result is everything, and trust me, I'll be buying my nails off on Saturday. But the most important thing for Arsenal Football Club is we support this major in the transfer market, allow him to sell and buy appropriately so we can see the team we want to see. Because right now we're making do. It's exciting. The underlying numbers haven't changed that much, mate, have they? You know the drill. So we need to support this guy so we can really see some progress going forward.
1: Mm. So, I mean, I I think it's interesting, Clive, because last summer I felt, you know, Chelsea had Champions League locked up. They, you know, they didn't need to win the Europa League to get in. We had more on the line, and that would make it, you know, a a more urgent final for us. When in fact we just sort of choked it away. Um, hard to know how much of that is is the manager and, and the players choking, and what the case may be, or just being the less good team. Similar situation here. Chelsea have Champions League locked up. They don't need to win the FA Cup for anything other than you know lifting a cup, which is nice. We need it to get back into Europe, and, and whether or not you think that's something we should try to do, it's still a, a carrot dangling on the end of the stick. Do you think that the urgency plays into our hands in any way or or is negative for us in any way? Is there, is there a way that you think that tips the scales in terms of Chelsea feeling like it's job done for the season and has one eye on, you know, I was going to say the beach if you're even allowed to go to a beach anymore, but you know what I mean? How do you, how do you think that the urgency factors into... Um, providing an edge
2: to one team or the other. Hey, Chelsea enjoyed kicking Arsenal off their London perch, didn't they? Mm. They've enjoyed taking our trophies, even taking some of our players right against our will. So they're not going to walk into this game and pretend it doesn't matter. I thought they would last year. but I forgot they was Eden Hazard's last game. We decided to have a bit of a sprint, right? And that was the end of that. Once he decided to turn up, the game was over. So they're harder to read. Everyone says Hazard's not there, so we should be better I don't think. Um, I thought. I thought we just blew that game last year. We just froze. And let's be honest, our two forwards froze. You know, let's be honest. David Luiz, the player that people are mocking, put a Bam and Lacazette in his pocket. Mm. Right. So, so think about that for a minute. And they were a shell of the normal selves that they were in Valencia in the semi-final. You know, it was all there. The team was there. The system was there. We didn't turn up. We didn't turn up for whatever reason. And for me, that's preparation. So I think we'll be better prepared this time. That's for sure. I think we can. We are set up to solve more problems. It all comes down to execution. It all comes down to both boxes, like most football matches. I'm not too worry about midfield. You know my thoughts on midfield. I don't think is there isn't any anymore. <laughs> we, we seem to go from a, a base to our five channels. That's what football's about. And that progression box to box, is, it's, it's not there at the moment in the trend of football, in many of these big games. It's all about how we can push people back. It's a game of... It's a game of cat and mouse. So I'm not too worried about midfield, as long as we don't lose it. That's the key thing. It's all about getting the ball, progressing the ball into the final third. The worry I have about Arsenal in our final third is we have two strikers, which who I call exclamation points in Lacazette and Abamayang. They're last touch players, really. Lacazette has done well dropping in and creating problems for them, holding midfielder and the centre midfield. But really, we're asking Aubameyang to be a semi-creator and also be our exclamation point. Pepe is a creator doesn't touch the ball enough because the service team is, although it's improving, it's not good enough in my opinion. And we don't have put enough responsibility on him to be an exclamation point scorer like Liverpool do with Salah, for example. So that's why our goals are 10 or so behind Chelsea. If we had those goals, we wouldn't we wouldn't have drawn 14 games and the gap we see wouldn't be there. But the good thing is, our is a team that's not so easy to beat. We are quite resilient. We don't lose that many games. We lost less games than Chelsea and Man City. So that is good cup. That's a good cup side. That's a good cup philosophy. It's no surprise we're in this game. I think if we show that resilience and make sure we execute when we need to, I see us edging the game just by one goal.
1: Mm. I would I would take that. We will you give that to me? I can have it. I'll I'll can take it. it. I'll take look, I I'm torn because I I am inclined when Arsenal play as weird as it sounds to be overly optimistic. I know that's bizarre, but every time we go into a game, I see the scenarios where we can do well in the game. I see Chelsea's weakness, the mountain of goals they've conceded, the way they are vulnerable in wide positions to attacks, you know, counterattacks in wide positions, and I say we can have them there. That's that's us to a T. The problem is we also, I don't know if you've noticed, like to concede lots of goals. And yeah. you know, look, we we have struggled to score and create chances against teams that can sit and block us off and force us to break them down. Because we're just not real good at doing that because we don't have players that do it. You don't need a 10 to play on the counter. I think Chelsea have 60% possession in this game, and I think if they have 60% possession, we create the chances to win the game. I think ironically, Clive, if you told me that we were going to have 50% possession in this game, i tell you I'm less confident. Because I don't like our chances moving up the pitch in numbers on the ball, trying to push them back and break them down. I do like our chances being disciplined like we were against City, picking our chances to raid quickly, You know, play out from the back, draw them in, spring the trap, and away we go, up the wings where they're vulnerable. I think they'll play Emerson. I, I just don't think that they want to expose themselves to the risk of Alonzo. They played Emerson against us in the last uh, in the last game we played, I think they'll do it again. But if they play Alonso, I, I really love the right side as a place to go get them, go hurt them. And I think Bellerin and Pepe will cause them all kinds of trouble there. Now look, Alonso, there's a reason he plays. He he is an attacking threat. And a Pulisic-Alonso wing is going to be a really, really tricky thing for us to keep out. So, you know, that could just be like two boxers, right? Clive, I mean, their yeah. left wing and our right wing taking shots at each other to see who who's got the bigger glass jaw and i think we both have a glass jaw like it's c- could it really come down to that if they start alonzo and pulisic on their left and we have bellerin and pepe on on our right that that wing could just be like the drunk part of the game where there's openings and attacks and opportunities created at both ends on that side of the pitch
2: yeah i think you make a great point and in on the first time we did this i i felt that my original thought was Maynard Niles should play on the right, Saku on the left. That's what I wanted to see happen. When Bellerin went down with a calf injury, I thought, well, maybe that is going to happen. Now he's back. I'm thinking, OK, come on, mate. Clive, this guy's played in cup finals before. He's played in big games before. He's going to play. If he doesn't play, he's going to leave. So the manager's going to pick him. right? So, So although I think if you ask me footballistically-wise, what would I do? I would pay, make the niles on the right hand side. I think he's a better one on one defender. And if I'm Chelsea, I'm looking at Rob Holding and I'm seeing Christmas. All right, I'm gonna go for him. I'm gonna make his feet move. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make Giroud knock his head off.
1: Is there a so, weird just, chance that like Socrates comes back from the dead and play? Like, is there a chance that 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 he doesn't play Holding? That he fi- I mean, c- could he go like Tierney? Louise and Socrates, or or I mean, Socrates is that right sided center back? He could play over there. I mean, he hasn't played he, at all, though. I mean, could he could he do something crazy like pick pick Cedric and say, Cedric, you're going to play right sided center back? He's cup tied, right? Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so is, is there a creative players, solution you know, he might look for here if he's if he's really worried about holding? Or do you think he'll just well, say holding's my guy? I got to play him.
2: Something I nearly said for the for the city game actually was actually playing all the fullbacks. Literally don't play one centre half because they're not gonna go in the air. It's all about nimble feet. So my one of my little theories for the city game was playing random the right centre half. Because literally you are literally playing against wingers all across their midfield and all across their attack, right? So having all the fullbacks in defence makes a lot of sense. The problem is with Chelsea they've got height. They've got Alonso, they've got Giroud, they've got Rudiger, they've got Zuma, they've got big players, so they can load you. They can load you on set pieces. You can't do that against it. They so can't be creative. So Holdens going to play and we're going to need him. And he's done it before. One, my, my hope is that he can raise his levels to the levels of 2017 where he had something to do. The good thing about inexperienced players and young players, give them a job, give him Giroud. Like, Go on then, mate. He's yours. Get after him. Bounce him. Knock him. We'll come around you. I'm hoping that's what happened. And once you give holding a job, I think gains become clearer to him. Once you give him too much time in possession and you start to make him think, then I think he can be a little bit indecisive. So what he needs is a hard, hard physical game, because I think his trigger goes off and he rises to that challenge. Giroud is a perfect player for him to play against, because I think he knows that job. He's been brought up in that job. Playing big centre forwards is what you do in England. When you're young, that's your job. When you're the big guy. You face off to the big guy. So, and he's not too quick, so it won't be a running race. So, this is why I think Holding will play, and hopefully, the matchup will be a will be like that. Now Tierney, if Drew sits on Tierney, Tierney's clever. What he does is he he stands behind you. He touches your back so you can feel him. Then he nicks in front and steals it, right? And if you he he plays off your first touch. He nicks around the corner. He's incredibly tight. You never get a chance to turn around on him. Obviously, if you put him towards his panty area, he's going to lose the battle in the air because he's only five foot 10. But I don't. Drew always wants to show you a number. And so it's just it's the second phase. He goes into the box and then it's 50 50 what happens after that stop across. Otherwise, he's going to do something. So near post, he's brilliant at that near post blocking. Holding, not so much. Diagonal runs off his shoulder. Not so good in the box. So this is when Louise has to come in, right? So holding outside the box is our man. Inside the box, it has to be David Louise and Tierney because they're the better defenders. They yeah. track runners. They see things earlier, right? So, so that's how I hope the game goes. We got to keep Drew away from our box. But what he does is he touches off and he sprints to the penalty box. He knows what he's doing, right? I don't, I don't, I don't worry about him. I like him, you know. I like him. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather. I'm glad not playing Rashford Martial. And Greenwood. Do you see what I mean? Because they're the sort of forwards we don't want to play against. Mm. They've got size, they've got dribble, they've got shots, they've got sprinting speed. We don't want to be playing them. You know, we don't want to be playing them. That'd be really hard because as soon as we go forward, we're dead on the counter. But Chelsea sort of suit us, but we've got to do our job when we have a chance. And I think the issue is our ability to execute. We did it versus City beautifully. Can we do it again?
1: Yeah. You know what's so weird about this game, Clive, is like, you look at our central midfield and you're like, oh We don't create anything there. It's a wasteland. Between Jorginho and Kovacic, Chelsea have two non-penalty expected goals and four expected assists. Like, this, the midfield is total irrelevance in this game. It is the strangest thing. These are teams that are going to hurt each other or not by what they do on the wings. And we both want to do the same things. And it's just, it's so interesting how that works. Now, granted, they have players, you know, like... Mount who will float more into the center of the pitch or, you know, Pulisic might do that. But realistically, no, they, they want to overload the wings. They want to hurt you there. Get, you know, cross the ball into De Giroud. We want to do the same sort of stuff. I think Lacazette could be a really important player here, dropping into the midfield, dropping in behind Kovacic and Jorginho and distributing, you know, pushing the yeah. ball past them. He did it a lot against City, and, and I think he can do it against them. It's one of the interesting things that I think... um if Conte does start, I think that that could be a problem for us nullifying Lacazette's ability to drop in, receive the ball, and, and start a counterattack. But I don't think he will. I, I think he'll stay with yeah, the um three. with the back three. And I do I do still think there's a chance Polisic doesn't start, but that, that's another story. So I mean, do do you agree with me though that it's very weird that you have two teams like this who pose almost no threat in central midfield? Um you know and, and that the game It's going to take, I mean, there's going to be no grass left on the pitch, on on the half spaces and wings, you know?
2: Well, you know, I want to have this conversation, maybe when we do our squad building, etc. but you know my thoughts on midfield, The, the, the attributes have changed, right? So, you have attacking wing forwards that do the creative midfield job and score, or you have high number eights do that job. So... The old days, I say the old days, the old days are literally two years ago or last year, mm-hmm. when you had one player in midfield, another player driving forward box to box. I'm not seeing it, mate. I'm not seeing it. I don't know what numbers are saying when it comes to, you know, XG and assist and exit. I don't know those numbers. But what I'm seeing is a game of five channels. How can we push teams back? You need a base to your team. You need to create an axis, which we rock around. You have an interior and you have an exterior. Your exterior is the ability to, to control the game. Your interior is where you don't lose the game. That's your that's your rock, that's your pillar. And you have your box there and you rock around that depending on whether you're in charge of the game or not. Right. And everyone else has to push up quickly, get up quickly. And how can we use that base of our midfield to service the front areas of the pitch? Right? So how can they manipulate themselves away from pressure to service one of the five channels that we're trying to hit? That's where the game is going. Those players have to have the ability to receive it on the half term, get away from people, and progress it. We don't want them running past centre-fours like we won the FA Cup in 2014 doing that. right? We don't want that anymore. That leaves us exposed down the middle. We don't do that. That's where the risk is. Mm. Don't allow transition on you down your middle. right? So football is changing. you know. So when people are thinking about building the squads for next year, they need to be thinking about where the game is going. Also they need to be thinking about not just what we're doing, but different systems we're gonna to have to play against. what Arsenal have not done well against is not Chelsea's. They've not done well against teams that played five three two. You see what I mean? We haven't got a pattern of play to break down that deep block with five at the back. Yep. That's what that's what Villa did. So the yep. Villa game scares me. Right? So in Arteta's strategy as he's building, he hasn't got a team yet for five three two. 5311 whatever it is he hasn't got that team or 541 that's really what you're talking about with deep block aren't you we haven't got that yet right so that's the next phase of our development so what we do, what we're going to have at the weekend we're going to have a team that has got the same weight gloves as we've got
0: mm.
2: and we're going to punch each other right so who's going to who's got the strongest chin
0: yeah
1: and, and i mean neither of us do that's that's what makes this game so interesting and i look i mean i do that's why i think lacazette has a really interesting role in this game to play, assuming he starts, because I, you know, it, it is that that area, that middle of the pitch, sort of beyond the the central midfielders are in that space where the central midfielders operate. Shaka and Ceballos are are not going to create the danger any more than Jorginho and, and Kovacic are in the sense that, you know, they may play the intermediate value pass, the pass before the pass. They're they're not gonna be the ones that that turn the game. But can Lacazette drop in and be the guy who does it? Maybe, maybe he could. I, I will say that this game is going to be absolutely wild. I think it's going to be a crazy cup final. I, I'm going to go for Arsenal three two. I, I just I see goals, I see mistakes. We've we've been gifted some goals, pressing, and I think they have some players who can be forced into mistakes trying to press pressing at the back, trying to play it out from the back. So we'll see how that goes. But more than anything, it's just a total narrative transforming game for Arsenal. And whether you care about narrative or not. This season has fucking sucked. There's no way around it. The Olympiacos, the Europa League exit, the way the league has gone, the Emery era, some of the disappointments that we've had when we really were in a chase for a European place and threw it away. But the FA Cup, as always, once again, has provided solace. And now there is a cup at the end of this season that we could grab. And much like 2017, which was a terrible season that ended in celebration, we can do it again in the exact same way we did it then – earn ourselves some Europe, earn ourselves some money. I think getting Europe actually matters. I know some people disagree with me, but the Europa League is a chance to keep our kids home and play them a lot at the start of the season. It's six extra games where players like Nelson and ESR and Enkedia and, and Willa can play in lower stakes games. And if you have that, you don't have to loan them out. I think it's valuable. So whatever we do, I just hope we win. I think uh, if there's any analysis you need from me, that is it. I hope we win. I know you hope we win. I know we all hope we win. Cup final day, big cup final, first game for Tim and Deb's new baby. Uh, so this will determine that baby's life as, as a, a a luck charm, hopefully a good luck charm. No pressure, baby. No pressure. you got to win this game for us. In any event, Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name's Alex Smith. The am Twitter Yankee Gunner. We will have a pod tomorrow. We will have a pod after the cup. We will have a pod on Monday. We'll have pods all the time, but it will be more fun doing them after we hoist the cup on Saturday. Come on, Arsenal. Come on, Mikel. Rouse the troops. Set them upright. Let's beat Chelsea to win the cup. Wouldn't that be a neat thing? Great way to end the game. We all need it. It's been a shit year, and there's no better way to lift yourself from a shit year than making Chelsea fans miserable. And on that note, we do love you. We appreciate you for being here. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We hope you enjoy the cup final. And we hope that you are celebrating victory along with us all over the world at the end of it. Come on, Arsenal. We love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Chelsea Mill.
2: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.